1: go episode 638 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Monday August 21st 2023 it is a commander's game day in the nation's capital the second of their Three games in the 2023 preseason, Commanders versus the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field, Monday night at 8, What is the first game in a stretch of two games in six days for our Commanders uh, as their preseason finale is this Saturday evening, home to the Cincinnati Bengals at 6.05. But Commanders-Ravens what really has become a preseason tradition, right? I mean, these two teams meet in the preseason basically every year now. Uh, the two teams, of course, last week had those uh, joint training camp practices at the Ravens team facility in Owings Mills, Maryland. And the Ravens have the streak. <laughs> you are aware of the streak, right? The Ravens have won each of their last 24 preseason games. This is one of the most absurd streaks in sports history. It is a streak that has been going on for years, and yet it is a streak that really doesn't mean much. But the Ravens have a 24 four-game preseason winning streak. Their last preseason loss was on September 3rd, 2015. To put that in perspective, the Ravens starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson, his first start for Louisville was on September 5th. 2015. So this Ravens 24-game preseason winning streak started before their current QB1, who is a veteran, ever played a single collegiate game. Not NFL game, collegiate game. Uh, This was an exchange between Commander's insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Commander's right guard Samuel Cosme after this past Saturday morning's Commander's training camp practice. Take a listen. Does that
2: Ravens' win streak even enter your brain, the preseason win streak? I think it's a stupid record. I mean, who gives a shit about preseason games? I agree.
3: Yeah, I mean, if we beat it, great. We're going to beat it, so there we go.
1: Yeah, there you go. Sam Cosby not exactly feeling this Ravens 24-game preseason winning streak and predicting a Commander's win on Monday night. Does that even qualify as bulletin board material? Can you have bulletin board material for an NFL preseason game? I don't know. I usually could not care less about whether our team actually wins a preseason game, but I do have to admit, I do want the Commanders to win this game on Monday night in order to end the streak put an end to this dopey streak. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The Ravens on Monday night are not expected to play many of their key players, including QB1 Lamar Jackson. The Commanders are expected to play key players, at least on offense, including QB1 Sam Howell, as yes, that status now is official. Head coach Rod Rivera, he on Friday morning during a pre-practice press conference at Commander's Training Camp made the official announcement, the official declaration, the official proclamation. Sam Howell is the Commander's starting quarterback. Uh, The announcement, of course, was expected, but... The announcement is significant. This is a big deal. Uh, next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of what Ron said on Friday morning and also some of what Ron said during his pre-practice press conference on Saturday morning and what Sam himself said in a post-practice presser On Friday morning, among the many aspects of Rod Rivera officially naming Sam Howell as the commander starting quarterback that I'll be getting into, how and why we got here, Uh, why Sam should be the commander starting quarterback for the entirety of the 2023 regular season, although I will provide for a few exceptions to that. uh, The ultimate truth about the quarterback, quote, competition, end quote, between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. And where Sam may already be, as in where he is at right now as an NFL quarterback. Uh, Lots of Sam Howell conversation next segment. And then after that, I'll discuss a variety of other commander's items from the last few days, including the end of the competition at Kicker. Uh, Some notable comments from Ron Rivera on Saturday morning regarding his conversations with the team's managing partner, Josh Harris. And a bottom line review of, as best as we can tell, where we are at with commander's injuries right now. I have put together a condensed, easy to digest review of commander's injuries right now. Remember, this is the podcast that follows Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. We do the work for you. Uh, also on the show, I uh, will talk Nationals. Another good weekend for the Nats. Uh, They, of having registered a three-game sweep in three of the previous four weekends, notched a series victory this past weekend when two or three games against the National League wild Card leading Philadelphia Phillies in a series in which the first two games were at Nationals Park. But the final game was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as that uh, game three of the series was the 2023 MLB Little League Classic, a game that served as the Sunday nighter on ESPN. But here's the deal. The Nats are 19 and 10 over their last 29 games. And oh, by the way, the Nats reportedly are promoting their top prospect, outfielder Dylan Cruz from low-A Fredericksburg to double-A Harrisburg. We have a lot to talk about with the Nats. Uh, and I have an Orioles segment for you, another good weekend for the O's, the American League leading O's. Uh, they swept the three-game series at the major league worst Oakland A's. Uh, the O's beat up on the poor A's. The O's over the three games outscored the A's 28-7. Uh, infielder Gunnar Henderson was outstanding. Starting pitcher Kyle Bradish in a 12-1 win on Sunday had yet another very good outing. So much to like from this series. If you're an nose fan, I will cover it all later in the show. Hey, ratings and reviews help out this podcast a lot. You want Apple podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast, five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you want Apple Podcasts, can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. Can be just a sense or two, uh, but the ratings and the reviews do help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me the Algaldi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Email from Kim on the weight of Commander's Rookie Corner. Emanuel Forbes, I love the variety of topics about which I get emails. Writes, Kim, don't know if you can check on this and maybe I need a life, <laughs> but Forbes is gaining weight. I read that he is at 181 pounds now. At the combine, he was 166 pounds. Uh, thank you for the email, Kim. The Commanders on their website list Emmanuel Forbes at 180 pounds. Uh, Forbes, this past March 3rd, at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine, registered a weight of 166 pounds. Uh, He at Mississippi State's Pro Day on March 28th, registered a weight of 170 pounds. Uh, As Commanders analyst and former Redskins corner Fred Smoot said on episode 618 of this podcast, about Emanuel Forbes, who, like Fred, went to Mississippi State. When they can't hate on your game, they hate on your frame. When they can't hate on your game, they'll hate on your frame. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was classic Fred Smood on this podcast. Here's the deal with Emanuel Forbes physically speaking. He at the 2023 Combine also measured as being six feet and three-fourths of an inch and is having a wingspan of 79 inches. So while he was slash is very thin, he also is tall and lengthy. He has size. He just doesn't have much mass, although he is putting on mass. Uh, Additionally, Forbes over three seasons at Mississippi State 2020 through 2022 never missed a game due to injury. Yeah, never. Uh, He played in 36 of a possible 37 games, and the one game that he missed was a 39-33 overtime win over Auburn last November 5th, but Forbes did not miss that game due to injury. Uh, Email from Dr. CCB on what she is looking for from the commanders against the Ravens on Monday night of what went down for our team at its preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. Writes the doctor, it's so nice having football back, even though it's only just the preseason. I must admit that it was a little unnerving to see Cleveland's first team offense march down the field on our first team defense. I understand that we held the Browns out of the end zone, but for them to march down so easily when our defense is thought to be a potential top 10 contender, was a little concerning. But on a brighter note, I really enjoyed Kazmir Allen. I think that he can be a great punt returner who will gain positive yards and not just field punts like Dax Milne. I heard a few folks talking about Allen's stats in high school. That totally blew me away. He scored 72 touchdowns in his senior year. What? That dude is a beast. (laughs) I hope he makes this 53-man roster because I guarantee that if he gets released, he'll be snatched up immediately. As always, I enjoy the podcast and the scheduled emergency shows. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you very much, Dr. CCB. The Commander's first-team defense in that win at the Browns did have some problems, no doubt, especially considering that some key Browns offensive players did not play in that game. Uh, Running back Nick Chubb, receiver Amari Cooper, left guard Joel Batonio, all did not play in that game. How different might that goal line stand have gone had those guys been in the game. Uh, That said, I don't think that we need to see much of the commander's first-team defense at the Ravens. The defense is a set entity, you know? Year four with Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator, a number of returning players. How good the commander's defense will be in the 2023 regular season does not hinge on uh, playing in the 2023 preseason. Uh, As for receiver slash running back slash return man, Kazmir Allen, uh, the undrafted rookie out of UCLA, he would appear to be the favorite to be the commander's primary return man, this coming regular season. And yes, he did put up video game-like numbers in high school. Kazmier Allen in his senior season in high school broke the California high school scoring record with 72 total touchdowns. 72! Uh, He rushed for 3,336 yards and 62 touchdowns on 25 carries. And he had 29 receptions for 833 yards And nine touchdowns. Uh, Greatness from Casimir Allen in his senior season in high school. Just like the greatness in legal representation that the law firm of Paulson and Nays can provide to you or someone who you care about. Uh, If you have a case, contact Paulson. And Nace. Paulson and Nace, it is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace will fight for you and your family in a way that no other law firm will. Uh, You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Uh, Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not fall. Do not back down in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. And Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. Why? Well, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. Uh, This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. you. can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. The Commanders 2022 season ended with a 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this past January 8th. Uh, What, of course, was the lone game in which quarterback Sam Howell played in his 2023 rookie regular season. It was just six days later, Saturday, January 14th, that we had multiple reports that Sam was being positioned to be the Commanders QB1 for the 2023 season. This was surprising news, but this also was, for many people, including me, exciting news. At the same time, though, nobody knew exactly what to make of this news. Uh, Was Sam Howell being positioned to be the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season only a for-now thing? In other words, was the team in the 2023 offseason going to go after a veteran quarterback to be the QB1 or draft a quarterback? to be the QB1? Or was this positioning of Sam as the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season a legitimate good faith sign that the intention was to have him as the team's starting quarterback for the 2023 season? Well, here we are now, more than seven months since January 14th, and Sam has been declared the Commander's QB1. Uh, It was last Wednesday morning that head coach Rod Rivera, during his post-practice press conference following the second of the two joint training camp practices with the Baltimore Ravens at their team facility in Owings Mills, Maryland, raved about Sam Howell, said a lot of good things about him, but did stop short of officially declaring him the Commander's QB1. Uh, The commanders did not practice on Thursday. They did practice on Friday. Ron Rivera on Friday morning uh, did a pre-training camp practice press conference. Uh, The presser took place in the 8 a.m. hour. Uh, There was a mic issue for this press conference, so unfortunately the audio of Ron isn't the greatest, but there very much was an expectation going into the presser that Ron at the presser would officially name Sam Howell. The commander's starting quarterback, and so the first question that Ron got asked was about if he was ready to officially name Sam as the commander's starting quarterback, and here was Ron's answer.
3: Funny you ask. <laughs> um, no, yes, we're gonna, we're gonna. I, I talked with Eric the enemy to be yesterday, um, and after our 1st preseason game after both those joint practices, um, I'm going to name Sam our starter this year going forward. Um, you know, he's basically met the challenge that we talked about, and that was seeing the growth and improvement from OTAs and minicamp, and then talked about going into, into training camp and continue to grow and show us what he's capable of, and uh, we've been very pleased with it to the point where I decided uh, yesterday that we were going to name him the starter going into the regular season.
1: So there it was, uh, the official announcement of Sam Howell as the commander starting quarterback. Now, one of the things that I was very interested in was the phrasing of this announcement that we knew was coming. How exactly would Ron Rivera declare Sam Howell as the commander starting quarterback? Uh, Would Ron declare Sam as the commander starting quarterback for week one? Would Ron declare Sam as the commander starting quarterback for now? would Ron declare Sam as the commander starting quarterback for the 2023 season? As some of you may remember, August 31st, 2015, uh, the day of what I call the Kirk Cousins coup, (laughs) Uh, that was the day on which Redskins head coach Jay Gruden named Kirk as the team starting quarterback for the 2015 season. Not just for week one, the way that Jay on that day named Kirk as the team's starting quarterback, was very significant. The language mattered. The starter for the 2015 season. Well, Ron Rivera on Friday morning did not name Sam Howell as the commander starting quarterback for the 2023 season, but Ron did say, quote, I'm going to name Sam our starter this year going forward, end quote. Ron also said that he on Thursday decided that the team would name Sam, quote, the starter going into the regular season, end quote. Who knows exactly what Ron is thinking. And even if we did know, as we all know, uh, Ron is Washington head coach has been uh, prone to change his mind, <laughs> or at the very least, change his public stances on things. But to me, Sam Howell needs to be the commander starting quarterback for the entirety of the 2023 regular season, with three exceptions. A, if he gets injured, of course. B, if it's week 18 and the commanders have clinched a playoff spot and are secure in their playoff positioning. Or C, if there is some off the field issue, like Sam isn't putting in the work that he should be putting in or, you know, Sam gets arrested. Okay. Then fine. Bench him. All right. If Sam Howell robs a bank (laughs) this coming season, then yeah, you can bench him. Otherwise I want Sam starting every game for the commanders this coming regular season. Hopefully Sam will be good from the get go, but if he isn't, he should be given every opportunity to work his way out of his struggles, to demonstrate improvement as the season goes on. It is really important that the commanders in the 2023 season get as good of a sense as possible on what they have in Sam Howell. Is he a potential or actual franchise quarterback? Is he worth having as the QB1 beyond the 2023 season? Is he more of a QB2? One season won't tell us everything, but one season can tell us a lot. Uh, There, to me, are two nightmare scenarios regarding Sam Howell in the 2023 season. Nightmare scenario number one, Sam misses a lot of time due to injury. Uh, That would be awful because that would mean that the commanders would not get a good sense of what they have in him. Nightmare scenario number two, Ron Rivera benches Sam because the team is off to a bad start and Ron is worried about saving his job. And Jacoby Brissett becomes the starting quarterback. And Jacoby leads the team to a few meaningless wins that don't get the team into the playoffs, but do worsen the team's positioning in the 2024 NFL draft. The middle is a road to nowhere, okay? Uh, Those are the two nightmare scenarios regarding Sam Howell in the 2023 season. There's not much that can be done about nightmare scenario number one, the injury scenario. Most of that is up to the uh, football gods. Uh, But nightmare scenario number two, that benching scenario, that's a different conversation. What is in the best interest of the commanders is them this coming season getting as good of a sense as possible on what they have in Sam Howell. But that interest may not be in alignment with what is in the best interest of Ron Rivera, who is coaching for his job. Will Ron behave in accordance with the team's interest or his own interest? Would the commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, fire Ron before he could behave in accordance with his own interest at the expense of the team's interest. Something to think about. Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Friday morning on the point at which Sam Howell solidified himself as the commander's starting quarterback.
3: I think after the, uh, the first practice against Baltimore, you know that was, that was kind of the, uh, the high watermark for me in terms of having to see him show us that he is capable of doing the things that we need him to do. Um, you know, it was a very good day. There was a lot of positive things that came out of it. And, uh, you know, blocking the tape um, back at the, the office I had at the, uh, the hotel, the little room I had, you know, I kept thinking to myself, you know, that's what I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see. And so I wanted to make sure that when we got back yesterday, we had an opportunity, because the players were out. I we wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to, to talk about what we're seeing and make sure it was the things that we needed to see. And we all agreed, so I just feel confident enough going and comfortable enough to say that, you know, Sam's our guy. And we really think that he's done those things. There is still more growth to go, and he's going to continue to get better. We believe that, and I'm very
1: confident going forward. A major theme from Ron Rivera's pre-practice press conference on Friday morning was these joint practices with the Ravens. These joint practices with the Ravens were a big deal to Ron. In fact, Ron on Friday morning got asked why he waited until well into training camp to name Sam Howell as the commander's starting quarterback. And Ron, in his answer, went right back to the joint practices with the Ravens. Here you go.
3: Because I really thought that, would, that, that was all the things that he needed to do in terms of showing us growth. You know, I, I, I you know, and, and I did purposely talk about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Baltimore practices, the scrimmages, because, you know, you're going to go up against somebody new. You're not necessarily going to have game plan for them. Um, You're going to have to work off of just what you've learned and and exhibit some of that growth. And that's what I believe I saw. And I felt comfortable enough yesterday to sit down with uh, Tavita and and Eric and listen to what they had to say, and and it really kind of helped me make my decision. And uh, we just feel that now is a good opportunity going forward Um, so the players will know and and the community will know, the fan base will know um, as we start getting prepared for the regular season.
1: By the way, I had zero problem with Ron Rivera waiting until Friday morning to officially name Sam Howell as the commander's QB1. Ron not wanting to do that on Wednesday morning, to me, was totally fine. Ron wanted to show respect to assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Biennemi and quarterbacks coach Tavita Pritchard by talking with them. Before announcing the decision. And Ron wanted to tell Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett about the decision before announcing the decision. What if Ron on Wednesday morning had announced the decision and Eric, Tevita, Sam, and Jacoby all found out about the decision via social media? How bad would that have looked on Ron? He wanted to follow good protocol. He did. And that was the right way to go. Uh, This criticism that has been out there about Ron on Wednesday morning declining to officially name Sam as a starting quarterback, it's been ridiculous. You can criticize Ron for plenty of things. Him on Wednesday morning declining to officially name Sam as a starting quarterback uh, is not one of those things. Uh, This was Ron on Friday morning on if he, in this process, ever had doubt about Sam Howell being the commander's starting quarterback. And Ron, again, brought up the joint practices with the Ravens. Take a listen.
3: I didn't have doubt. Um, but if, if if I would have, yeah, I could have changed my mind. But I didn't have any doubt, um, you know. And, but I wanted to get through Baltimore. To me, I thought that was that was where it would it would have, it would have come to a head, you know. That um, you go out there and, and you know and just lay an egg. But no, he came out that first practice and, and he was on. Um, you know, he made a couple mistakes. Things that most certainly are correctable. Things he'll learn as as, as he grows. But for the long haul, for, this, for, for the future of, of us going forward, I really do believe that Sam's the guy we're going to go with because of that.
1: There are many reasons why Ron Rivera back in January was positioning Sam Howell to be the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Let's be honest, one of the reasons was public relations. Uh, there was a lot of negativity surrounding Ron and the team coming out of its 2022 season, in which the Commanders went 0-3-1 from Weeks 13 through 17 and Blue making the playoffs despite, through Week 14, having possession of the second of the three wildcard spots in the NFC. And so, Ron Rivera, in the days that followed the end of the Commanders' 2022 season, letting it be known that Sam Howell was being positioned to be the Commanders' QB1 for the 2023 season, changed the narrative changed the conversation and got people excited for what was ahead. But there are legitimate football reasons for Ron in January to have positioned Sam to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. And it remains very telling that the team in the 2023 offseason did not acquire and seemingly did not try to acquire someone else to be positioned as the team starting quarterback for the twenty twenty three season. This is Ron Rivera on Friday morning on the growth of Sam Howell.
3: I think as Sam continues to go through the the, the the training camp, you know, he's gonna do some good things. He's gonna do some things that he goes, Hey you gotta correct that. But that's gonna be all part of the growth going forward. You know, I, I go all the way back to the to the Cowboys game. You know, when he threw the interception and he self corrected right away, he knew what his mistake was. You know, uh, everything considered, he played really well in that game. So then we go out and we go into OTAs and mini camps, and I was really thrilled with the growth we saw, and then come in, start training camp, and you just start seeing them having day after day, you know, goods and lows, highs, and then there was a couple of practices that we had which were exceptional, Um, not just his, but the team, the way that everybody seemed to get it, and you feel really good that that's a good sign. Then playing the preseason game, uh, the, the, the way he played, I thought there was a lot of positives, and to me, I was real anxious to get to Baltimore, and, and now having had the chance to go back and look at the tapes, I could say there's, there's been the significant kind of growth that, that we were looking for that uh, I feel we, we need to have, and so I'm, I'm very confident and
1: comfortable in saying that he's our starter. The interception that Rod Rivera was referring to uh, from that win over the Cowboys this past January, third snap of the second quarter on a second and goal at the five, Sam Howell while being pressured and throwing, uh, while falling backward, heaved a shotgun play action pass intended for receiver Cam Sims in the end zone, but the pass was thrown into triple coverage and was intercepted by safety Malik Hooker. Uh, bad pick, no doubt. Hey, quarterbacks throw picks. The question is, does the quarterback also make plays? And Sam in that game did make plays. A final snap of the third quarter, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 33. Sam fired a 52-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin on a great throw down the right sideline. Uh, we had the touchdown run. Sam had a late third quarter, first and goal, nine-yard pistol triple option touchdown run on which he made linebacker Damone Clark and interior defensive lineman Neville Gallimore miss on attempted tackles. And Sam, since that game, has demonstrated growth. Uh, More from Ron Rivera on Friday morning on the growth of Sam Howell.
3: I think he's in a really good spot. I think he's, right now, a more than serviceable quarterback. He's a guy that's growing. He's a guy that can win, I believe. You know, uh, again, um, and and I go back to last year's Dallas game. You know, um, they were playing, they played all their starters. They were playing for, you know, playoff positioning. Um, we had a young guy that had to go out and, and show us what he could do, and, and he played that way. He had a whole week of preparation. So I felt, you know, when you when you take your, your game plan and you, you, you play specific plays and you work specific things, and he showed the ability to, to take that from the classroom, from the practice field, and put it on the game field, um, you know, that really, resonated with me. And then going into OTAs and mini camps and seeing how he did those things, you know, I saw growth. And then the way we started camp this year, I believe I saw growth. So I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited for our football team.
1: Of course, what's funny (laughs) about Ron Rivera referring to Sam Howell's performance in the win over the Cowboys is that Ron initially didn't want to start Sam. In that game, right? Ron did not think that Sam was ready to start an NFL regular season game. Ron wanted to start Taylor Heineke at quarterback and then bring Sam into the game as a reliever. Uh, And uh, our guy Tay Tay said, "Uh, no, thanks, bro. I'm good. Uh, But interesting that Ron Rivera early in that cut said that Sam Howell right now is, quote, a more than serviceable quarterback, end quote. You know, more than serviceable would be an upgrade, over what Washington has had at quarterback for most of the last 5 seasons. Here are Washington's rankings in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA for each of the last 5 regular seasons. 2018, number 29, 2019, number 29, 2020, number 32, i.e. dead last in the league, uh 2021, number 22. 2022 number 26. There are 32 teams in the NFL. Washington has ranked 22nd or worse in passing offense per DVOA in each of the last five regular seasons and has been at 26th or worse in four of those seasons. Yeah, more than serviceable would be an upgrade over what Washington has had at quarterback for most of the last five seasons. Ron Rivera on Friday morning on some specific things about Sam Howell that Ron likes.
3: I think if there's one thing about him, Sam is, Sam is very level-headed. You know, he, he keeps himself pretty much like that. Um, I like the decision-making as far as, um, you know, where to throw the ball, um, where to place the ball once he's thrown it. Um, and I, I think he's shown that he's got a handle and a feel for the, for the, uh, for the uh, playbook. And as I said, one thing that kind of we talk about is that when we start narrowing the playbook down for specific teams and studying and preparing for specific teams, I think that'll also show some of the growth.
1: We early in that cut heard Rod Rivera mention Sam Howell's level-headed nature. He does seem to be level-headed. He doesn't seem to get flustered. You get that sense when you hear him talk. In fact, Sam on Friday morning did a post-practice press conference. Here he was on where he feels he has taken the biggest strides. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post.
4: Yeah, I mean, I just think I'm so much more comfortable than I was, especially last year. You know, I have kind of, I have a year under my belt. I didn't play the whole year, um, but just being here that year and learning so much, I feel like I've learned so much from a mentally from a mental standpoint, and I feel really comfortable going into this year.
0: When you say you're comfortable going into this year, what specific parts of the offense or where do you see that show up the most?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a confidence thing. Like when I. Step out on the field. Like, I'm confident in my abilities. I'm confident in the offense. I'm confident in my teammates and I'm confident in the system. Um, And so, when I'm confident in all those types of things, I can just go out there and and just be myself and play free and play fast. And I feel like that's what I've been doing the past few weeks. Um, So, I feel really good about it.
1: Confidence is a good thing. Uh, Well, there is another person directly affected by Ron Rivera officially naming Sam Howell as the commander starting quarterback, Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Ron had talked about a quarterback competition between Sam and Jacoby the uh, competition ended up being Sam over the course of offseason practices and out training camp practices taking all but a handful of first team reps there was never a true 50-50 competition this was hey the starting quarterback job is Sam's to lose if he struggles and Jacoby does well uh then maybe Jacoby gets that starting quarterback job but understand this as best as we can tell Jacoby Brissett in the 2023 offseason did not receive a single first-team practice rep during OTA and camp practices. The first known instance in which Jacoby received any first-team practice reps with the Commanders uh, was during a training camp practice on August 7th. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Friday morning on telling Jacoby Brissett about going with Sam Howell as the Commanders starting quarterback.
3: They were off yesterday, so I I grabbed the first thing this morning. You know, I I wanted to let Jacoby know that this wasn't what he didn't do. This was about what Sam did. Um, You know, Jacoby's been a true pro. He's done everything that we've asked. Um, And he's he's also helped mentor Sam. He's been a a good teammate to Sam. And, you know, now I know why so many great things have been said about who Jacoby Brissett is. And, you know, I think he's a more than viable quarterback. Um, But, again, you know, there were certain things that, you know, we felt Sam had to show us. You know, going in, and I think everybody knew that. Uh, from my perspective, it was it was Sam to um, and he did nothing to to to, to lose. He did the things that he needed to do, and he showed the growth that I was looking
1: for. The Commanders in March signed Jacoby Brissett as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year, $8 million contract. He, to me, does make for one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, especially considering uh, the very good season that he had last season for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Jacoby has had a fine training camp. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. He has not been good enough to beat out Sam for the starting quarterback job, and Sam hasn't been bad enough to not get the job and, in fact, has gotten better as camp has gone on. Ron Rivera on Friday morning on why he set up the quarterback competition as Sam Howells to lose as opposed to a true 50-50 competition between Sam and Jacoby Brissett.
3: It's one of those things that in their careers, you know, he and Jacoby are two different points in his career. So to me, a guy that's ascending, that's growing into it, um, you know, you've got to look at it that way as, as much as a guy that's there. And so... Because going forward, you know, if this is the guy, there's a lot of good things you can do. And I look at some of the models of some of the other teams in the league that have done this with young quarterbacks. And look at where they are today. It's pretty indicative if you get your guy and he's a young guy, you can do some really good things in terms of roster building.
1: Yes, you can. Here are the remaining salary cap hits in the contract of Sam Howell as a player who was taken by the commanders in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. 2023, cap hit of $960,400. 2024, cap hit of $1.075 million. 2025, cap hit of $1.19. Million dollars. If Sam proves himself to be a franchise quarterback, and that is a massive if, but if he proves himself to be a franchise quarterback, the commanders will have the holy grail of the NFL a franchise quarterback on not just a rookie contract, but a rookie contract for a day. selection. Those Sam Howell cap hits that I just took you through are nothing. Uh, This was Sam Howell on Friday morning on he and Jacoby Brissett being told of the QB1 decision on Friday morning.
4: He told both of us that he was going to announce it today. um, But, you know, he just told me that he was excited for me and that he believes in me and that he trusts me. Um, So just to hear those words come from him, it means a lot. Uh, he's He's a great guy, great coach. He's been around the game for a long time. So just to have his support and his confidence in me means a lot.
1: All right. There was something else from Sam Howell's post-practice press conference on Friday morning that I wanted to play for you. So as you likely remember, Sam in the Commanders preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns now two Friday nights ago, August 11th, took a sack. Uh, first quarter on a 1st and 20 for the Commanders at their 33. Sam took a sack for an 8-yard loss. Uh, the sack was split by two players, corner Mike Ford and interior defensive lineman Maurice Hurst. Uh, Ford came in unblocked on a corner blitz, but Hurst essentially was run into by Sam, who had running back Brian Robinson Jr. open, but did not throw to him. Uh, take a listen to how Sam on Friday morning took responsibility for that sack, Sam got asked where he feels the commander's revamped offensive line is at. Here was his answer.
4: Um, I was very pleased with their uh, with their performance in Baltimore. Um, I thought there were some things in the Cleveland game we could have done a better job of, and I could have helped them guys. Like the one sack we had in Cleveland was my fault. Um, so I got to do a better job of helping those guys, um, but I was very pleased with their performance in Baltimore. I thought they did a really good job, and they're starting to learn how to play together. Um, and once they do that, they're going to be really good.
1: How nice was that? Sam Howell, quote, the one sack we had in Cleveland was my fault, end quote. I don't want to go overboard with praising him for saying that, but him saying that showed leadership, showed accountability, showed maturity, showed self-awareness, showed a lot of good traits. And so here we are, Sam Howell set to be Washington's seventh different week one starting quarterback quarterback. Over the last seven seasons, 2017, Kirk Cousins, 2018, Alex Smith, 2019, Case Keenum, 2020, Dwayne Haskins, 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2022, Carson Wentz, now 2023, Sam Howell. Seven different week one starting quarterbacks for Washington over the last seven seasons, that is crazy, man. Uh, Rod Rivera on Saturday morning did a pre-practice press conference. The final question that he was asked was how exciting it was for him on Friday morning to have told Sam Howell that he was officially the commander's starting quarterback. Here was Ron's answer.
3: Well, I mean, it is cool when 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 you're able to tell the player or something like that. Um, but but and you know, at, uh, at the end of the day, it's really just as far as what we've been working towards. I mean, that, that's kind of the cool part about it because, you know, we, we, we kind of had some parameters. We had some, some, some benchmarks that had to be reached, and, and as we went through OTA's mini camps and right into training camp uh, and the preseason game and the joint practices, you know, he accomplished what we were looking for, and, and that was important um, because, as I said, you know, it was for, his, it was for him to lose, um, he did nothing that that told us he wasn 't ready um, and again it 's not a knock on what Jacoby didn 't do it 's just Sam did the things that we needed to see that that would you know have him be our starter so i 'm excited about it. Sam has really grown a lot um, and there 's still room to grow and that 's the best part you know that there is a there is a there, there is a there 's not a ceiling right now you know we we'll, we 'll see how good he can become, but we 're going to have to take him one day at a time, one game at a time and you know, Right now, it's about getting him ready, ready to play and, and and face Baltimore, and then we'll go from there. But it is, it is exciting. It's exciting for us as a football team, and I think it's exciting for our fan base.
1: All right. Well, what is also exciting is what turf center lawns can do for your lawn. Uh, hopefully, Sam Howell will do for the commanders what turf center lawns can do for your lawn. If you have a bad lawn, no worries. Turf center lawns can change that. Turf Center Lawns offers a variety of residential and commercial landscaping services. It is a local multi generational family business serving Maryland, Virginia. At Washington, D.C., Turf Center Lawns offers lawn care programs that will make and keep your lawn lush and green. But Turf Center Lawns is about more than just lawns. Uh, Turf Center Lawns is outstanding at handling water problems. Uh, intense summer storms can cause water and drainage problems for your home or business. Turf Center Lawns offers affordable and effective grading based drainage solutions to prevent flooding, erosion, wet basements, and wet crawl spaces. Uh, also, if you are a coach, an athletic director, a booster, know that Turf Center Lawns can create, improve, and/or maintain athletic fields. Uh, Turf Center Lawns will give you and your team a professional natural grass athletic field, uh, and Turf Center Lawns performs maintenance with a specializing in Bermuda grass fields. Uh, Turf Center Lawns, in fact, installed the original Bermuda grass fields at a number of major venues in the area, including. The Commander's FedEx Field, uh, when it opened as Jack Kent Cooke Stadium in 1997. Also, Prince George's County Stadium, home of the Orioles AA affiliate, the Bowie Bay Sox, and Arthur W. Purdue Stadium, home of the Orioles Low A affiliate, the Delmarva Shorebirds. Uh, Turp Center Lawns also installs and rebuilds baseball and softball infields, batting cages, home putting greens, even bocce courts. If you have landscaping needs, drainage issues, or athletic field needs, contact Turf Center Lawns. Consultations and estimates are free. You have nothing to lose. Call 301-384-9300 or visit turfcenterlawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or turfcenterlawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, when you hire Turf Center Lawns, your satisfaction is guaranteed. The Turf Center Lawns team is comprised of experts in their field. They share a deep commitment to exceeding customer expectations on every job, whether large or small. Call 301-384-9300 or visit turfcenterlawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or turfcenterlawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. All right, some non-quarterback Commanders conversation right now with the team's second of three games in the 2023 preseason happening on Monday night. Commanders versus the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field Monday night at 8. We last segment talked about the Commanders quarterback competition uh, with the word competition being in quotation marks uh, now being done. Well, the Commanders kicker competition that was done too. Uh, the Commanders on Sunday morning announced multiple roster moves. The team announced the signings of two unrestricted free agents, interior defensive lineman Isaiah Mack and punter Michael Polardi. And the team announced that it had released kicker Michael Badgley and receiver Jalen Sample. So Joey Sly has won the kicker competition. The Commanders on July 25th announced the signing of Badgley as an unrestricted free agent. The uh, kicker competition always seemed to be Joey Sly's to lose, not unlike the quarterback competition with Sam Howell's to lose. Sly in the 2022 regular season went 25 of 30 on field goals, but also went just 24 of 28 on extra points. The kicker competition really was about Sly's inconsistency, on extra points Bansley in the 2022 regular season for the Detroit Lions went 20 at 24 on field goals and 33 at 33 on extra points. But Sly has a much stronger leg. Uh, Sly kicked well in training camp and kicked well in the Commander's preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. Sly in that game one for one on field goals, one for one on extra points. And the field goal that he made was a lengthy one. He connected on a 49-yard field goal in the third quarter. And now he is firmly set as the Commander's kicker going into the 2023 regular season. As for the Commanders on Sunday morning announcing the signing of this punter, Michael Pilardi, uh Tressway has been dealing with lower back tightness, seems to be doing better, but the Commanders don't want to risk him aggravating the back in this game against the Ravens on Monday night. And so Pilardi, uh will be the Commanders punter for the game, and perhaps also for the Commanders preseason finale, uh, home to the Cincinnati Bengals this Saturday evening at 6.05. Remember, Colby Wadman, was the commander's punter for the win at the Browns. the commanders on August 8th announced the signing of Wadman as an unrestricted free agent, and uh, they then released him on August 13th. Michael Pillardi has been with a number of NFL teams, but he most notably was the Carolina Panthers punter (laughs) from November 2016, through the 2019 season. So he is a commander. He is a guy who Rod Rivera had during his time as Panthers head coach. Pilardi missed all of the 2020 season due to suffering a torn ACL in the 2020 offseason. He was the Miami Dolphins punter for the 2021 season and was the New England Patriots punter for their final eight games of the 2022 regular season. Uh, Meantime, the Commanders on Saturday morning held their final open practice of 2023 training camp at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia, open as in open to fans. Uh, We had another good crowd. The crowds for these open practices at this year's training camp were great. Uh, The sale of the team from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group, of course, had a lot to do uh, with these crowds being great. I mean, you think about the timing. The sale was officially completed on Friday, July 21st. The first open practice of 2023 commander's training camp was on Thursday, July 27th, and uh, we were off and running. Uh, But speaking of the commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, uh, head coach Rod Rivera during his pre-practice press conference on Saturday morning had the following back and forth with commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. How are your conversations going with Josh and and where do things stand?
3: Um, They've gone well and they stand uh, in, uh, in good situation.
0: Do you expect to start having discussions about potential new contracts, or is that something you want to wait on?
3: Those are all things that are all part of our discussion, Sam. You know, and, and, again, these are things that we, uh, we talk about, we're working into. Um, there's a lot to do. And so to, to, to you know, assume anything's going to happen immediately is, is unfair because you know they're, they're, they are still learning and, 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 and understanding us, and we're still talking with them and, and trying to get things um, you know lined up and in order.
0: So what are your near-term priorities, or what are you learning from those conversations about what
1: they want to do right now? Is,
3: uh, just continue to go forward with this football team.
1: Okay, Ron Rivera right there, clearly not interested in saying much about his conversations with Josh Harris. That's fine. I've got no problem with Ron taking that approach. But these conversations between Rod and Josh are something to be thinking about if you're a Commanders fan. What is being conveyed in these conversations? What is the tone of these conversations. Remember, Ron just a few weeks ago essentially admitted that he's coaching for his job. Ron, in a press conference on July 25th, admitted, quote, I've got a lot to prove, end quote, to Josh Harris. Uh, then Ron, at a post-training camp practice press conference on July 26th, said that the coming season, quote, is a bit of an audition, end quote, for him with Josh. Uh, has Josh given Ron an ultimatum of have a good season or else? Uh, Has Josh heavily pressed Ron on decisions that Ron has made during his time as Washington head coach in the coach-centric approach? And how about what Ron said about potential contract extensions for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl? Now, Ron wasn't asked specifically about those guys, but the question clearly was hinting at extensions for those guys. And Ron very much made it seem like contract extensions for those guys are not imminent. So it may well be that the team is going to begin the regular season having extended neither Montez nor Cam. And once the regular season begins, that would seem to lessen the likelihood of contract extensions getting done because the players will be that much closer to either being tagged or entering unrestricted free agency. Although there's nothing official about the extensions having to get done before the regular season. Uh, another thing to emerge from Ron Rivera's press conference on Saturday morning was the commander's injury situation. Uh, Ron revealed that interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen is dealing with plantar fasciitis, although Ron said of the uh, John Allen plantar fasciitis, quote, nothing serious right there. And quote, there are no official injury reports during training camp and the preseason. So when it comes to figuring out injuries during this time, uh, we are left to having to go off observation and what coaches and players say. And uh, we all know that coaches and players lie, or at least mislead about injuries. But as best as we can tell, here is what we're looking at right now in terms of commander's injuries. Uh, On offense, tight end Logan Thomas is working his way back from a calf injury. Offensive lineman Sadiq Charles is working his way back from a calf injury. Left tackle Charles Leno Jr. and right tackle Andrew Wiley are dealing with, as Ron Rivera said on Saturday morning, quote, nicks, end quote. Uh, Wiley got kicked on a calf uh, during a practice. On defense, uh, John Allen is dealing with plantar fasciitis. Edge defender Chase Young is working his way back from a stinger. Uh, Interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis is working his way back from a calf injury, a lot of calf injuries for the Commanders. Uh, corner Kendall Fuller uh, was among those players dealing with nicks, per Ron Rivera, uh, and Corner Danny Johnson is dealing with a rotator cuff injury. Again, none of these injuries is said to be serious, but again, uh, that is what we are being told. Uh, Logan Thomas, he now has not fully practiced for multiple weeks uh, due to his calf injury. Uh, This was Rod Rivera on Saturday morning on Logan, uh, who during recent practices has been doing side field work. The biggest
3: thing with Logan is going to be more about conditioning than anything else. Um, You know, he's been doing what he can as far as trying to keep himself conditioned. Um, He's been working in the weight room with the strength conditioning guys as well. Um, he's sharp. He's, uh, he's already up to speed on what we're doing offensively. And then, you know, once we get him back on the field, it be about getting his timing with, uh, the rest of the guys on the offense and especially with the quarterback too.
1: All right. It is a guessing game at this point to say how serious truly the Logan Thomas calf injury is, but here's what is not a guessing game. The guy has missed a lot of time the last two seasons due to leg injuries. Uh, Logan in the 2021 regular season played in just six of Washington's 17 games due to a hamstring injury and then a season-ending torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Logan in the 2022 regular season played in 14 of the Commander's 17 games. He missed three games due to a calf injury, uh, and he did not have a very productive season, and now he's dealing with another calf injury. This coming season will be his age 32 season, even if this current calf injury isn't that big of a deal, you got to wonder when will the next Logan Thomas leg injury happen? Like he's having a hard time staying healthy. So hopefully he is getting healthy and uh, we'll be staying healthy and uh, we'll be having a good 2023 season. Hey, being a fan of Washington DC area teams is uh, stressful enough. (laughs) Buying tickets to games for our teams should not be stressful. And when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. Yes, the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Uh, the GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. I was just on game time looking at tickets for Commander's games this coming season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game time is the app. For last-minute ticket deals, you don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use this promo code ALGaldi. You use that promo code ALGALDI, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the GameTime app, create that account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time! <laughs> download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. The Nationals super prospect with the initials, D.C., that was one step closer to playing in D.C. We on Sunday evening had multiple reports that the Nats are promoting outfielder Dylan Cruz from low A Fredericksburg to double A Harrisburg. The Nats are having Cruz skip high A Wilmington. Uh, The Nats... Took Cruz out of LSU with the number two overall pick in the 2023 MLB draft. He, per MLB pipeline, is the number four prospect in baseball. He, in his brief time playing for the Low-A Fredericksburg Nationals, was outstanding. <laughs> 14 games, 71 plate appearances, an OPS of 1,068. He, over the 14 games, hit five home runs. Dylan Cruz is looking every bit Like the franchise outfielder he was drafted to be, he very much is tracking toward playing at the major league level for the Nats next season. But as for this Nats season, the Nats keep winning. Uh, They, over the weekend, won two or three games against the National League wildcard leading Philadelphia Phillies in A very unique series, Uh, Friday night, an 8-7 win at Nationals Park in a game in which each team scored six runs in the fourth inning. Saturday, a 12-3 loss in a game in which the Nats blew a 3-0 seventh inning lead and allowed 12 runs over the final three innings. But Sunday night, a 4-3 win in a game that took place at Muncie Bank Ballpark. At historic Bowman Field in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, in the 2023 MLB Little League Classic. Uh, The Nats for this 2023 regular season now are 57 and 68. The Nats have surpassed their win total for all of the 2022 regular season by two games. Uh, The Nats now are 19 and 10 over their last 29 games. And believe it or not, the Nats are just eight games behind the Chicago Cubs for the National League's third and final wildcard spot. Yes, the rebuilding Nats deep into August are just eight games out of a playoff spot. I'm proud of the boys. Heck yeah, Nats manager Davey Martinez proud of the boys and for good reason. Uh, Somehow the Nats are finding ways to win games. These wins aren't always pretty. Uh, They're not always conventional, but they are wins and they are coming against good teams. The Nats now have won seven of their last nine series. Five of those series wins have come against teams in postseason contention. Uh, The Nats in their 4-3 win over the Phillies in Williamsport on Sunday night scored four runs in the bottom of the first and that was basically it. Uh, in terms of the Nats offense for the game, the Nats for the game totaled four runs and nine hits. All four of the runs and five of the nine hits came in that bottom of the first, uh, K-bit Ruiz, he in that Nats four-run first had a two-run double to right field for a 2 nothing Nats lead. He on Sunday night as the Nats starting catcher and number four batter went one for four. Dominic Smith in the Nats four-run first had a first pitch opposite field two-run single to left center field for a 4 nothing Nats lead. Concluding a stretch of each of the Nats first five batters in the game, Getting a hit. The Nats were all over the Philly starting pitcher, Zach Wheeler, in that bottom of the first. Although, Wheeler ended up lasting for seven innings, four runs in seven innings. Uh, Dom Smith on Sunday night as the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter went two for four with the two-run single and another single. Uh, Among those who also registered singles in that Nats four-run first on Sunday night were Lane Thomas and Joey Meneses. They had good series. Uh, Thomas had a terrific series. The 4-3 win in Williamsport on Sunday night. Thomas as the Nats starting center fielder and number two batter went two for four with two singles. The 12-3 loss at Nationals Park on Saturday. Thomas, as an at-starting right fielder and number two batter, went two for four with a double and a single. And he had an outfield assist. Thomas, in the top of the fourth, had an outfield assist for the second out as he on a went out first pitch opposite field single by J.T. Realmuto to shallow right field, threw out Bryson Stott in his attempt to advance from first base to third base. This was some throw by Thomas, a no-hop laser third base, and the throw resulted in his 13th outfield assist of the 2023 regular season. Thomas became just the third Nats player to have at least 13 outfield assists in a regular season since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. Uh, The other players, Alfonso Soriano, 22 outfield assists in the 2006 regular season, and Bryce Harper, 13 outfield assists in the 2013 regular season. Uh, and then the 8-7 win at Nationals Park on Friday night. Thomas, as an ad starting center fielder and number two batter, got on base four times. He went three for four with an RBI single, two other singles, and a walk, and he made an impressive catch. Thomas, in the top of the second, made a nice play for the third out, a leaping backhanded catch, and crashing into the center field wall for a flyout by ex-Nat Trey Turner. Uh, Lane Thomas for the 2023 regular season at number one among all qualified Nats players in OPS at 8-15. Uh, Joey Manessis was the Nats starting DH and number three batter in all three games in this series. He over the three games went five for 13 with an RBI single and four other singles. All five of the singles came over the final two games of the series. Uh, Manessis for this regular season is number two among all qualified Nats players in OPS at 752. I also want to give props to Riley Adams. All he does is hit when called upon. He just is not called upon uh, nearly enough, but Adams in that 12-3 loss to the Phillies at Nationals Park on Saturday was the net starting catcher and number six batter. He went two for four with an RBI double and an RBI single. Riley Adams now in this 2023 regular season, just 126 plate appearances, but an OPS of 937. Do you know that Riley Adams for the 2023 regular season has a higher offensive wins above replacement, a higher offensive war for baseball reference than Joey Manessis has? Yeah, it's true. And it's not like Manessis is having some hideous season. And yet Riley Adams, with what he has done over his mere 126 plate appearances, has registered a higher offensive war, per baseball reference, than Joey Manessis has. Riley Adams needs to play more. I don't get why we're not seeing more of him. Uh, The Nats in winning two or three games against the Phillies over the weekend got good outings from starting pitchers in two of the three games. Uh, The 4-3 win at Williamsport on Sunday night, Trevor Williams, a much-needed good outing, six scoreless innings. Uh, He gave up just two hits, a double and a single. He did issue three walks, but he recorded four strikeouts. He threw 94 pitches, 54 strikes versus 40 balls. He wasn't dominant, but he was effective, and he came into this start with an ERA of six 32 since the beginning of June. He needed that outing that he put forth on Sunday night. Good stuff from Trevor Williams. And the 12-3 loss at Nationals Park on Saturday was a shame because Jake Irvin in that game was very good. He tossed six scoreless innings with seven strikeouts. He gave up five hits, all of which were singles. He issued two walks and two hit-by-pitches, but he threw a lot of strikes, 94 pitches, 63 strikes versus just 31 balls. Jake Irvin now in this 2023 regular season at the major league level, 19 starts in ERA of 4.47, a whip of 140. Those aren't great numbers, but let's dig a little deeper. The Nats on May 3rd recalled Irvin from AAA Rochester. He, over his first seven major league starts, had an ERA of 5.87. He then had his turn in the rotation skipped. He worked on some things. He reset himself. And he now, over 12 starts since having his turn in the rotation skipped, has an ERA of 384. That's pretty good. The Nats took Irvin in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, Irvin, at the time of being called up by the Nats, was their number 20 prospect per MLB pipeline. I give the guy a lot of credit. He is pitching his way into being a member of of the Nats 2024 rotation. Uh, the lone clunker from a uh, Nats starting pitcher in this series came from Johanna Doan. Uh, he, in the 8-7 win at Nationals Park on Friday night, allowed six runs in four innings. He tossed three scoreless innings, but he, in the top of the fourth, allowed six runs on a homer, three doubles, a single, and a walk. He allowed five consecutive Phillies batters To reach base with two outs, including giving up a two-out two-run homer by the ex-Nat Kyle Schwarber to right field for a 6-1 Phillies lead, Adone over his four innings through 74 pitches, and that takes us to the Nats bullpen. (laughs) And boy, is there a lot to take in with the Nats bullpen. So let me start with this: the bullpen overall has been good during this stretch of the Nats winning 19 of 29 games, but. Davey Martinez during this stretch has been aggressively using the bullpen, and uh, there is a price to be paid for doing that. So we had a 10-7 Nats win over the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park this past Thursday. The Nats in that game allowed a 9-1 lead to become a 9-7 lead, uh, thanks to reliever Robert Garcia in the top of the seventh, allowing six runs in two-thirds of an inning. That outing compelled Davey Martinez to use both of his top relievers, Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, to win that game. That was a shame. You're up 9-1. You shouldn't even be entertaining the notion of using your top two relievers, and yet Davey ended up using both of those guys. Then the Nats' next game, the 8-7 win over the Phillies at Nationals Park on Friday night. Davey used six relievers, and hey, they were good. Uh, They combined to allow one run in five innings with seven strikeouts, but the last two relievers were Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan. And so both Finnegan and Harvey were down for Saturday, and that in conjunction with some other guys uh, being used a lot led to the Nats allowing a staggering 12 runs over the final three innings. Jose A. Ferrer pitched for a fourth time in five days, he got charged with two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Uh, he would what ended up being a three-run seventh for the Phillies, faced four batters, but got just two outs. Andres Machado, he in pitching for a third consecutive day and for a fourth time in five days, officially allowed one run in a third of an inning, but he had that Phillies three-run seventh to the first batter he faced, gave up a two-out, three-run, opposite-field home run, by Nick Castellanos to right field to tie the game at three. Then came a relief outing that was one of the worst that you'll ever see in a major league game. Corey Abbott, Uh, he was an absolute disaster in the top of the eighth on Saturday. He pitched for the entire inning. He allowed eight runs. He gave up three home runs, four singles and a walk. He gave up two home runs by the same guy Trey Turner, who hit a tie-breaking leadoff homer to left field for a 4-3 Phillies lead and hit a two-out solo homer to left field for an 11-3 Phillies lead. Turner's second homer in the inning came right after Bryson Stott hit a two-out three-run homer to the second deck in right field for a 10-3 Phillies lead. Uh, Abbott's outing was like a nightmare. I could not believe this. Eight runs in one inning— the Nats, shortly after the game ended, announced that they had optioned poor Corey Abbott to AAA Rochester. You felt terrible for Abbott while all of this was happening. But Davey Martinez had Abbott do what is called wearing it. Davey had Abbott wear it, wear the inning, because what was Davey going to do? You know, burn another reliever in what was now a blowout? And so we then got something of which we have seen way too much the last three seasons. A Nats position player pitching, Ildemoro Vargas. Uh, He was a Nats starting third baseman on Saturday, but he ended up pitching in the top of the ninth Uh, He only allowed a run despite giving up a homer, a walk, a hit-by-pitch, and a single. He gave up a leadoff homer by Jake Cave off the facing of the second deck in right field for a 12-3 Phillies lead. The homer went a projected 408 feet per stat cast. The Phillies in this game on Saturday out-homered the Nats 5-0. Then came the Nats' 4-3 win over the Phillies in Williamsport on Sunday night. Four Nats relievers combined to allow three runs in three innings. Now, the first two Nats relievers were good. Jordan Weems, perfect top of the seventh. Hunter Harvey, a scoreless top of the eighth. But then came the top of the ninth in which the Phillies scored all three of their runs. Uh, Mason Thompson, was charged with two runs in two-thirds of an inning. In his return from the 15-day entered list, the Nats on Sunday afternoon announced that they had returned from rehab and reinstated Thompson from the 15-day entered list, which he had been on since August 5th, retroactive to August 2nd with a left knee contusion. Uh, Thompson in the top of the ninth, faced four batters but got just two outs. He gave up a one-out single by Bryson Stott into center field and gave up a two-out full-count RBI single by Brandon Marsh up the middle to cut the Nats lead to 4-1 despite Marsh having been down in a count at 1.02. And the struggles of Mason Thompson compelled Davey Martinez to again use Kyle Finnegan. Uh, Finnegan on Sunday night officially allowed one run in a third of an inning. Did get the save. He came into the game in the top of the ninth With a runner on first, two outs, and the Nats holding a 4 1 lead. But Finnegan, to the first batter he faced, gave up a two out, two run homer by Jake Cave to right field to cut the Nats lead to 4 3, despite Cave having been down in the count at 1.12. The homer went a projected 412 feet per stat cast. Now, Finnegan did then strike out JT Real Muto, swinging on four pitches to end the game. The Nats won the game, but Kyle Finnegan in this game, was pitching for a fourth time in five days. Something's got to give here. Some things already are giving. Uh, Davey Martinez needs to get more out of relievers not named Kyle Finnegan or Hunter Harvey, and Davey may well need to start leaning on relievers for appearances of more than one inning. These last two games against the Phillies were not good for the Nats bullpen, uh, which had been in the midst of a resurgence. But bigger picture, the Nats have won 19 of their last 29 games. The Nats remarkably are just eight games out of a playoff spot. And the Nats' top prospect, Dylan Cruz, is being promoted from Loe Fredericksburg to A Harrisburg. This was a good weekend for the Nats. Uh, no game for the Nats on Monday. Next up for them, a nine-game road trip beginning with a three-game series at the New York Yankees who have lost eight consecutive games. The Yankees over the weekend got swept at home in three games against the Boston Red Sox. Game one, Tuesday night at 7.05, Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Wednesday night at 7.05, Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three, Thursday afternoon at 105, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, at last it is over. Uh, the Orioles' nine game trip out west is done. Uh, the trip was not easy. It included three 10 inning games and two blowout losses, but ultimately the O's on the trip went six and three, including a three game sweep of the major league worst Oakland days over the weekend. Uh, late night on Friday night, a 9-4 win late night on Saturday night, a 7-2 10-inning win as the O's improved to 9-5 in extra inning games in the 2023 regular season. And Sunday, a 12-1 win as the O's, Joe Angel, again, were in the win column. And the Orioles, again, in the win column! That is right, Joe. The win column. Uh, the O's for this 2023 regular season now are an American League best 77 and 47. The Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend won two or three games at the Los Angeles Angels. The Texas Rangers over the weekend got swept at home in three games against the Milwaukee Brewers. So the O's now are three games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. And the O's are five games ahead of the Rangers for the best record in the American League. Now, The A's are horrendous, okay? Uh, They, for this regular season now, are a major league worst 34 and 90. (laughs) I mean, they are so bad. Uh, And have a major league worst run differential of minus 303. But look, the O's over the weekend did what they should have done against the major league worst A's. Swept them. The O's took care of business. Uh, Some great hitting by the O's in this series. They, over the three games, totaled 28 runs. Uh, The O's, in this 12-1 win on Sunday, scored 12 runs, totaled 17 hits, worked three walks, went six for 14 with runners in scoring position. Eight of the 17 hits were extra base hits, as the O's had three home runs, a triple, four doubles, and nine singles. How about the Orioles' top four batters on Sunday? Catcher Adley Rutschman, first baseman, Ryan Mountcastle, designated hitter Gunnar Henderson, and left fielder Austin Hayes. Those four guys, four cornerstones for the O's when a combined 10 for 17 with two home runs, a triple, two doubles, five singles, two walks, eight RBI, and eight runs. (laughs) Not bad. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, he on Sunday has the Orioles starting DH and number three batter four for five with a solo homer, a triple, an RBI double, and another double. He in the game had 11 total bases. Henderson in an Orioles two-run third had a first pitch opposite field double to left field. Henderson in the top of the fourth had a two-out triple on a high fly ball off the top of the right field wall. Henderson in an Orioles a two-run seventh had a one-out first pitch solo homer off the right field foul pole for an 8 nothing Orioles lead. And Henderson in an Orioles three-run eighth had a one-out RBI double down the right field line for an 11-1 Orioles lead on a one-two pitch. Uh, So Gunnar Henderson on Sunday missed hitting for the cycle in having a homer, a triple, and two doubles, as opposed to, say, uh, that RBI double being a single. He ended up being too good for his own good uh, in terms of hitting for the cycle. Here was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Sunday evening on Gunnar Henderson.
2: What an amazing game by him. Uh, Some left-on-left stuff, and, you know, he's just uh, 22 years old. And he's a rookie of the year in the American League. Give a vote. Any part of you wish that last
0: double was a single?
2: Uh, you know what? Gunner plays the game in one speed, and that's hard, and it's the right way. And I don't th- unless he tripped over the bag. I, I didn't see that happening. <laughs> um, just because that's how hard he plays. Some guys yelling for him to go back. Yeah, on? there were some guys. They were they were teasing him about it, but. Um, Maybe he's working on his OPS. I mean, I don't know. I just, it's uh, I, he plays the game, you know, a million miles an hour, and, and it'd be hard to watch him. It's hard for him, I'm sure, to, to pull up.
1: Yeah, Gunnar Henderson also had a really good game in game one of this three-game sweep at the A's. Uh, Henderson in the 9-4 win late night on Friday night as the Orioles starting shortstop and number two batter went three for five with a two-run homer, an RBI single, and another single. Uh, Henderson it Orioles' two-run second had a two-out two-run homer on a bomb to the second deck in right field for a 5-1 Orioles lead. That homer went projected 438 feet per stat cast, and that homer made Henderson just the ninth player in Orioles history to have at least 20 home runs in his rookie regular season. The best player on the 2023 Orioles is Gunnar Henderson. They took him in the second round of the 2019 MLB draft. This season is just his age 22 season. Uh, He can play all over the infield, shortstop, third base, second base, you name it. Uh, He, for the 2023 regular season, is number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 8.15. He, entering Sunday, was number one among all Orioles players in wins above replacement, war per baseball reference for this 2023 regular season at 3.8. He absolutely is a candidate for 2023. American League Rookie of the Year. The man who finished second in the voting for 2022 American League Rookie of the Year, Adley Rutschman, Uh, He in this 12-1 win at the A's on Sunday as the Orioles starting catcher and number one batter went two for four with an RBI single, another single, and a walk. Rutschman in the 9-4 win late night on Friday night as the Orioles starting catcher and number one batter went three for four with a double, two singles, and a walk. Uh, Adley Rutschman for this regular season is number two among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 797. Ryan Mountcastle, uh, he in the 12-1 win, On Sunday, as the Orioles starting first baseman and number two batter, three for five with a three run homer and two singles. He and the Orioles three run fourth had a two out three run homer on a moonshot to left field for a seven nothing Orioles lead. The homer would have projected 439 feet per stat cast. Boy, does Mountcastle hit some tape measure home runs. What a month! that Ryan Mountcastle is having. Mountcastle, in this month of August now, has the following slash line. Batting average of .403 on base percentage of .474, slugging percentage of .612. Uh, And Austin Hayes had a nice series. He and the 12-1 win on Sunday as the Orioles starting left fielder and number four batter went one for three with a two-run single and a walk. Hayes, in that Orioles two-run third, had a two-run single off A starting pitcher, J.P. Sears, and into left field. Yeah, the ball went off Sears and into left field, although uh, Hayes was thrown out in an attempt to advance his second base but Hayes in the 7-2-10 inning win late night on Saturday night as the Orioles starting left fielder and number five batter went one for four with a solo homer a walk in RBI fielders choice grounder and a stolen base and Hayes in the 9-4 win late night on Friday night as the Orioles starting left fielder and number seven batter went two for five with two doubles uh, Hayes for this regular season is number four among all qualified Orioles players in OPS At 7.75. Uh, Also, in this 12-1 win on Sunday was an inside the park home run for the O's. Jorge Mateo, uh, he is the Orioles' starting shortstop and number nine batter. Went two for five with a solo inside the park home run and a double. Uh, Mateo in the Orioles' one-run second had a two-out solo inside the park home run on a fly ball uh, off the left-center field wall. Great to see that Mateo has not had a very good season, but uh, did have a good game on Sunday. Uh, and also with a good game on Sunday, Orioles starting pitcher Kyle Bradish. He, in this 12-1 win at the A's on Sunday, tossed six scoreless innings with eight strikeouts. Uh, Bradish gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He issued a walk and a hit by pitch. He threw a lot of strikes, 92 pitches, 60 strikes versus just 32 balls. Do you know that Kyle Bradish? For this 2023 regular season, is number four among all qualified pitchers in the majors in ERA at 3.03. Yeah, he is having that good of a season. Brandon Hyde during his post-game session with reporters on Sunday evening on Kyle Bradish.
2: I thought his fastball life was really good early, especially early. Um uh, throwing 96, 97, he's cutting. he's got a sinker. His breaking balls were really sharp. Um, it's really tough to hit. And the ball's moving all over the place with that sort of velocity and, and break. And, and um love seeing him work ahead on the count and pitch six great innings for us. Is he looking like a staff ace to you now? He's definitely looking like someone that's uh, got a three-year or below. Is a top of the rotation type of type of guy, and and uh, nice that we're giving him a little bit of break in between starts too. I think that's that's been helpful for all our guys up to this point.
1: Yeah, the O's lately have been going with a six-man rotation. They acquired Kyle Bradish in December 2019 as part of the trade package from the Los Angeles Angels for starting pitcher Dylan Bundy. How good does that trade look now? Yet another good move by O's executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias. Also with a good outing for the O's in this three-game sweep at the A's was a former member of the A's starting pitcher Cole Irvin. Uh, he in the 7-2-10 inning win late night on Saturday night allowed one run in five innings. He gave up just four hits, a solo homer, a double, and two singles. He issued a walk and two hit by pitches. He recorded three strikeouts. He threw a lot of strikes, uh, 77 pitches, 54 strikes versus just 23 balls. Uh, The O's this past January 26 announced having acquired Irvin by a trade with the A's. Irvin made the Orioles 2023 Major League regular season opening rotation, but he over his first three starts at an ERA of 1066 and a whip of 197. And so the O's on April 14th announced that they had optioned Irvin to AAA Norfolk. Uh, the O's had Irvin back up at the major league level from May 16th to May 21st to serve as a reliever. And the O's have had Irvin back at the major league level since June 10th. He has been a lot better since that initial devotion to A Norfolk. Irvin uh, in this month of August, over five games, including two starts, has totaled 14 innings, but has allowed just one earned run and has registered a whip of 0.71. Uh, the lone bat outing from an Orioles starting pitcher in this three-game sweep at the A's came from Kyle Gibson. Uh, he was bad for a second consecutive start. Gibson, in the 9-4 win late night on Friday night, allowed four runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, four doubles, and five singles. He did have six strikeouts versus no walks, and he did throw a lot of strikes. 95 pitches, 62 strikes versus 33 balls, but Gibson, of having been good in each of three consecutive starts, that has not been so good over his last two starts. Gibson for this 2023 regular season, 26 starts, ERA of 497. He has done some good things, but you know, you take a step back, the ERA is just about at five. Uh, not good. Uh the Orioles bullpen in this three-game sweep at the A's was good. Uh Orioles relievers in the series combined to allow just two runs in 12 innings with 17 strikeouts. Outstanding. Uh, A negative for the O's over the weekend, in addition to the outing by Kyle Gibson, was them putting outfielder Aaron Hicks back on the 10-day injured list. Uh, The O's on Sunday afternoon announced that they had placed Aaron Hicks on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to Wednesday due to a lower back strain. Hicks just came off the 10-day injured list. He was on it from July 25th to August 14th due to a left hamstring strain, but he in his return from that stint on the 10-day injured list played in just one game. Uh, The Orioles 4-1 win at the San Diego Padres late night last Monday night, August 14th, and now he is right back on the 10-day injured list. Uh, no game for the O's on Monday. Next up for them, a three-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Game one, Tuesday night at 7.05, Grayson Rodriguez will be the Oriole starting pitcher. Game two, Wednesday night at 7.05, Jack Flaherty will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game three, Thursday night at 7.05, Dean Kramer will be the Oriole starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me the Al Galdi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode six hundred and thirty-nine. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders of whatever goes down in their second game of the 2023 preseason, home to the Baltimore Ravens, Monday night at eight. Will the Commanders end the streak? Uh the Ravens ridiculously lengthy, but also largely meaningless 24-game preseason winning streak. Have a great rest of your Monday. Enjoy the game, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday.
2: Does that Ravens win streak even enter your brain, the preseason win streak? I think it's a stupid record. I mean, who gives a shit about
3: preseason games?
2: <laughs> oh, I agree.
3: Yeah, I mean, if we beat it, great. Well, I'm, we're going to beat it. So there we go. All right.